This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is a highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. Hello, my name's Tracy, and I'm joined by my pals, Blake and Craig. How are you going, guys? Good, thanks, Tracy. It's great to be back again. G'day, Tracy. <laughs> Look, it's another week and we've got another acronym. Today's podcast, we're going to talk to you about DeFi or decentralized finance. Without realizing it now, this is probably one of the most important aspects of your crypto journey. In this episode, we go over what DeFi is, learn about its technical foundations and talk about how it actually works. We'll also be referencing a bit of information that we covered off in previous episodes, especially points covered in the Ethereum episode. So if you've not listened to that one, it might be worth going back to do some prep work. So what is DeFi or decentralized finance? To understand this, it's best to first understand and compare this with centralized finance. Blake, do you want to kick off and explain this concept? Yeah, of course, Tracy. So centralized finance are the, um, is the type of finance that we interface with every day when we're using a bank or a financial institution or someone to transfer money like TransferWise or Visa or MasterCard. And these are all centralized um, authorities that sit in the middle of transactions and they're the trust in the system. They're the ones that validate our transactions. And therefore, with the advent of DeFi, we've had to call the legacy financial system something, and, and now it's referred to as CeFi. DeFi responds to some of the fundamental issues in CeFi, centralized finance. These issues being slow, clunky, heaps of middlemen, which is prime for corruption, fees and customers not getting the best deal. And also with CeFi, more than half of the world's population don't have access to centralized finance like banks. So the decentralized finance world is all about sort of inclusivity and bringing banking protocols to the masses. I might actually elaborate on some of that, Craig, with in relation to it being slow, you know, my personal experience is that, you know, when you try to send funds from, you know, Australia to Europe, it can take days or weeks, but with, you know, decentralized systems, it can take seconds. As well as that, some of the banks here in Australia have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of employees that all need to be paid in a financial system, whereas, that's what makes it expensive and slow as well. And the fees resulting from all of our transactions and the services that they provide have to go to, to paying all these staff members. So the word DeFi has started to be used as a sort of movement towards a low-cost, fast, efficient, 
trustworthy and transparent ecosystem. This ecosystem operates without any central authority and can be accessible to anyone around the world who holds a smartphone or a computer and has an internet connection. So you can see why DeFi has been seeping out from the crypto bubble to the mainstream media over the past 12 months. This is game-changing. Let's talk a little bit about the underlying technology of the DeFi system. The foundation of DeFi is the blockchain. Traditionally, you have bankers, accountants, and governments that have been in charge of these financial systems. However, with DeFi, the entire system can be run from code. And just remember that this code is a critical part of this journey. We've already taken you through what blockchain is in previous episodes, and we've touched on the three important pillars of the blockchain, decentralization, transparency, and immutability. But these are so critical to this DeFi story that I'll get Blake to talk you through their importance one more time. Let's just do a quick refresh. So in relation to decentralization, the blockchain is not in one physical location. It's running on thousands of computers at the same time. And this is different to banks and companies like PayPal. So yeah, in relation to transparency, we can see all the transactions moving across the blockchain at any one time. And in this sense, it's really a public ledger. And we don't know who's sending them, but we can see that their transactions are being sent and that they're being validated. And in relation to immutability, the data can't be changed. Once a transaction goes into one of the blocks and it's recorded on the blockchain, it uses some fancy mathematics um, to make sure that it can never be altered. And in this sense, it creates a really unique environment for people to do business on with these three key attributes. In short, The three pillars of blockchain technology make it so that once new data is verified, it's unmodifiable. It's distributed across the blockchain around the world so it can't be destroyed or no one person or group controls the data. It's totally transparent. We've previously spoken about Bitcoin and Ethereum being the use cases for blockchain technology, both with different purposes. Bitcoin is a digital currency that people can use as a form of payment or hold as a store of value, while Ethereum is programmable and people can build software, products and services. And due to the decentralized properties of the blockchain, the software that people can build on top of it are called decentralized applications. Now, we spoke a bit about this in the Ethereum episode where programmers and coders can build dApps on top of Ethereum. And this was what really started the DeFi story back in late 2018. And back then, Ethereum was the main place for these dApps and DeFi as a whole. But now there's other places and platforms you can go. Blake, can you give us a bit of a run through about how the ecosystem has grown since then? Yeah, of course. So everyone has their own version of Utopia and many people have been trying to basically replicate and improve on the Ethereum blockchain. And I think we gave an example in one of the other episodes that says Ethereum is very much like New York City and that's the place to do business. It's super busy. It's super expensive. So other people have built other blockchains to do things more freely. And an example of this is the Solana blockchain. And that's great for gaming because it goes super quick and allows people to do all the things that they want to do in a you know low latency environment. Yeah, as you know, New York is one of the biggest cities in the world. So there's traffic, there's people everywhere, and it's a great way to do business. Now, since Ethereum was sort of the start of DeFi, a lot of these platforms called Layer 2s have now started to try to optimize Ethereum to best suit DeFi. 
So these layer twos are called Polygon, Avalanche, and they're, they're pretty much a software, a blockchain software that figures out how to optimize gas fees, optimize speed. And these layer twos we like to call like the skyscrapers of New York. They have plenty of businesses, plenty of customers, and it's really interesting to see how it's all going to pan out. Okay, that's a great analogy. So maybe up next, let's talk about how these, you know, platforms or cities, as you've, you've called them, actually run. But first, let's have a word from our sponsors. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Crypto Curious. So the DeFi movement aims to transform the current financial system into a more transparent and trustworthy system, like Blake described in the blockchain section earlier. And if these platforms like Ethereum and Solana and Cosmos are not run by a central entity or person, then how do they run? That's a really good question, Tracy. And let's try and uh, demystify it a little bit. These pieces of code, um, these blockchains and these systems are run by foundations. And these are you know, foundations that are often incorporated in any particular country, but sometimes they're not incorporated at all. And these foundations support the research and development of these platforms. And they're very much community orientated. They're very democratic in nature. And often those people that are building these systems vote towards each other's projects. And they're the, they're the next things that are built and, and improved on these platforms. And these foundations create the perfect trustworthy environment to build and execute smart contracts. Now, smart contracts dictate the terms of a contract and control the execution of a contract. It's a little bit hard to understand, so I might give it to you, Blake, as you are probably the best person to give us an overview of what a smart contract is and how it actually works. It's basically a piece of code that runs on top of these blockchains and executes particular terms. An example of a term is that, you know, I owe you money on a particular date and the smart contract would then execute and then send the money from me to you. And that's really in its simplest forms, but it eliminates any need for essential authority to manage the transaction, whereas it's self-executing because the code does it once it reaches, you know, midnight, for example, on a particular night, it automatically sends it. And we don't need to rely upon anyone or, you know, have to pay anyone or you know, no one's taking a cut between that transaction. I think a really good example of a smart contract, especially in DeFi now is, you know, there's a lot of, we'll get into it soon, but lending and borrowing. Now, if you're to lend and borrow from a traditional neobank or a normal bank, um, obviously it takes paperwork, 
you need to talk to someone, they have to understand you can pay it back. Now with DeFi, you're able just to put a Bitcoin or half a Bitcoin up and you can get your loan that way. So that's an example of a smart contract that can be done by you and the blockchain and no other intermediary. And that's a great example of one use case in DeFi. And we've covered DeFi's blockchain foundation and the ecosystems such as Ethereum that they live on. And now let's look at the components that actually make up DeFi, the framework. So DeFi has innovated in some really key areas that we'll cover off on. Um, And we'll just touch on the main ones, but there are many others. First of all, our exchanges, decentralized exchanges. And this allows people to trade with one another, but without any intermediaries. The second one that we're going to cover off on is lending and borrowing in the same way that you deposit money into the bank and the bank lends your deposits out to generate an interest rate. You can do the same thing in DeFi. And on the flip side, you can also borrow money through these platforms like you can through a bank, but there's no bank. And there's also something called stable coins. And we touched on them earlier where, you know, there's one digital representation of a US dollar that can be used and sent around the world on a blockchain. And there's some really interesting variations of these that have been developed in the DeFi space. There's many others that we won't touch on now, but I will just highlight them, such as your digital insurance, synthetics and derivatives and liquidity pools. But like Blake said, let's just cover off the main ones today and let's start with exchanges, Blake. Do you want to explain a little bit further there? Decentralised exchanges have really come a long way in the last couple of years and now, you know, just as many people use decentralised exchanges as centralised exchanges, kind of like Coinbase. Now, a lot of the trade volume that happens in the crypto ecosystem happens on decentralized exchanges and the innovation is really around the user experience and that there's you know, the ability to get liquidity there as well as on centralized exchanges. Craig, do you want to maybe talk about a couple of the platforms that you've used and how maybe they differ to some of the centralized platforms? Yeah, we touched on decentralized exchanges in the last exchanges episode, if you want to go back and have a listen of that. And, you know, in that episode, we spoke about centralized exchanges. You need to sort of give your license, prove that you are a legit person, and you're really bound by those exchanges' coins and the choices that they have. Whereas these decentralized exchanges like Uniswap or SushiSwap are really popular because all you need is a Ethereum wallet and you're able to trade any token which exists on those platforms. So there's no need for um, verification and, you, and the user experience, as you mentioned, Blake, has as you know, it's gone le- leaps and bounds to what it was three, four years ago. You know, as we see, Uniswap volume overtook. Coinbase, I think a few months ago, and Uniswap has less than 20 employees when Coinbase has a couple of hundred. So that's sort of an example of the power of decentralized exchanges. Okay, thanks, guys. So these are more efficient. There's a lot more choice, and there's obviously some cool names out there. We've got Uniswap, SushiSwap. I think we've got Kyber. Kyber. Pancake. There's a pancake in there. <laughs> pancake swap. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to um, lending and borrowing. Blake, do you want to give us some details there? Yeah, of course. And this is fascinating, this area. And in the same way that you can lend money through your bank to others, for example, when you deposit your money to a bank, you know, often the bank's lending it out for mortgagees to buy homes. 
and you can also get a mortgage through your bank. But now, you know, with these decentralized platforms, we don't necessarily need to rely upon the bank. We can go and borrow and lend ourselves and the rates are, are pretty good, maybe even better than you would get at the bank. And these platforms have grown massively in popularity. Now some of these platforms have hundreds of billions of dollars of assets to lend and allow people to, to borrow as much as much as they can. So yeah, Craig, maybe you want to touch on a couple of the platforms? So Aave and Compound were the real DeFi darlings when DeFi first kicked off a few years ago. And these platforms really make it possible for you to leverage your existing holdings and borrow against them. And this is a really interesting concept because you can say if you have one Ethereum, you can park that on the platform and you can borrow maybe 20% of that. Of course, you have to, if you don't pay it back, you can get liquidated and there's all these sort certain rules around it but this is an example of you know borrow assets in a lot easier way on the crypto ecosystem i think this really comes back to being your own bank you know and managing your own risk right so you can deposit you know one ethereum and yet there's additional risk because you have to manage your repayments and your liquidation price and you don't have to do that with a bank you outsource that to the bankers right but with these protocols you really have to do it yourself so there is additional risk but there is additional flexibility and the fees are often a lot less it's a lot quicker and you don't need to ask anyone's permission. Yeah, thanks, guys. And look, lending and borrowing is one of the fastest growing aspects of this entire DeFi community, and that's because there is such a big call call for this in general. So let, let's move on to stablecoins now, Blake. Do you want to do you want to give us a rundown there? Yeah, we discussed stablecoins in a general sense, where there's one digital token for you know one USD coin that's in the bank, and the the token is really a digital representation of that USD coin or AUD coin in the bank and there's also decentralized versions of this where there's actually not a coin in the bank and they call these algorithmic stable coins and that's because it relies upon algorithms and instead of it being backed on the basis of a US dollar it can be backed with Ethereum or Bitcoin and the way that it works is that you can deposit your Bitcoin and it'll issue you these algorithmic stable coins and then you can use those stable coins for whatever you like in the ecosystem whatever utility they have and then you can return them for the original bitcoin that you locked up and this was a big innovation in the space because it allows the ecosystem to run without being attached to basically the real world it can run um, in a fully decentralized fashion yeah the, uh, the algorithmic stable coins i think the, the biggest one's DAO, right? Or die? Die. How, how does that work, Blake? Say if it, say if Bitcoin and Ethereum price goes down, do they lose their stablecoin peg? Like, how is that maintained? Good question. So there's a few ways that these algorithmic stablecoins keep their peg. Firstly, they're over collateralized, which means that for every, you know, say one dollar that you lock up in Bitcoin, you can only create. Um, 30 cents in these algorithmic stable coins and that's because these assets are very volatile the reason that they do this is because if bitcoin price goes down they want to ensure that the stable coin is always fully backed now the second part of that is that they can create and destroy die which is the stable coin at any given time in order 
to make sure that every single die is backed by Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever it's collateralized by. And this is all automated through the smart contracts that they've developed. Wow, that was really fascinating, Blake. I think I actually just kind of pegged a few things together then. That was that was great. Look, we've just gone through the exchanges, the lending and the borrowing and the stable coins, and they actually all work together. So does does someone want to give me an example of how you can do that? If I have, you know, one Ethereum, I can create some stable coins, some DAI with some of my Ethereum. And then I can go and trade that for a different stablecoin, for example, USD stablecoin on one of these decentralized exchanges. Then with that, I can go lend it out. And, you know, from that one trade, I can generate an interest rate on USD, but while still having exposure to my Ethereum that's been locked up. And in this sense, you know, all these elements of the industry complement one another. Thanks, Blake. And remember, this will take you some time to get your head around these concepts. If you need to, feel free to send us an email. We'd be happy to reply. All of these components are working together to build the backbone of the world's new decentralised financial system. How has this innovated so quickly? Yeah, I think the main reason for that is because everything's being built open sourced. So these, you know, for example, decentralized exchanges, the code base is all there um, where anybody can copy it and make their own decentralized exchange and they can improve on it. Um, And in this sense, any problems that have been solved once don't need to be solved again. And this is very different, you know, to the traditional sectors where you know, people are solving and innovating in their own silos, in their own companies, and not necessarily sharing the fruits of their work. And another aspect of this of why it's you know, innovating so quickly is because it's unregulated. So it's allowing people to experiment with new economic models uh, or at a speed that has never happened before. And this is allowing people to innovate rapidly um, and try new things. Yeah, in a nutshell, that gives an overview of DeFi. And, you know, as Blake mentioned, all these things really create a limitless potential for what could be the new global financial system. It's pretty exciting. So how do we round out this episode? Craig, you know, what do you think the future holds? What will we be doing one day? Will we be our own banks? It's all really exciting as a crypto investor, um, but also as a crypto user. I think one thing that sticks out to me is stablecoin peer-to-peer lending, where, you know, this is almost like another form of saving, another form of income. And, you know, being your own bank, being your own lender, where instead of saving your, you know, couple of hundred dollars a week into your savings account and getting, you know, 0.8% back from your bank, you can now start to build a you know, attractive savings plan where you're actually saving your money in stable coins, lending it out on these DeFi protocols for, you know, 8 to 12% per year, which is, you know, that's a really big improvement of what we see in traditional finance. So, yeah, it's super exciting and, yeah, there's a lot to take in. So today's episode was a bit of a heavy one, but it's one that we've really loved because it's getting down to what crypto was all about. Satoshi and his cypherpunks, you know, they developed this system and the foundations for building what we're building here today with what DeFi is is all about. So let's leave it there for today. But we want to know what you want to know about crypto, specifically any questions about our podcast today. So send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io or follow us on social media. All those details are in the show notes below. And don't forget to rate and review us in your podcast app. 
And that's it for this episode of Crypto Curious. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Trace. Until next time. See you later. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.